Hello, you're listening to a sermon provided by the First Presbyterian Church of Mayopac. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m., and you can watch us live either on Facebook or YouTube. And if you're in the area, there's always a seat saved for you. We hope that this message encourages you to continue growing in humility and faith. Thanks for listening. Our second uh, scripture reading this morning comes to us from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 to 23. Hear now the word of the Lord. And after the scholars were gone, God's angel showed up again in Joseph's dream and commanded, Get up! Take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Stay until further notice. For Herod is on the hunt for this child and wants to kill him. Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother under the cover of darkness. They were out of town and well on their way by daylight. And they lived in Egypt until Herod's death. This Egyptian exile fulfilled what Hosea had preached. I called my son out of Egypt. Herod, when he realized that the scholars had tricked him, flew into a rage. He commanded the murder of every little boy two years old and under who lived in Bethlehem and its surrounding hills. He determined that age from the information he'd gotten from the scholars. That's when Jeremiah's sermon was fulfilled. A sound was heard in Ramah, weeping and much lament. Rachel weeping for her children, Rachel refusing all solace, for her children are gone, dead and buried. Later, when Herod died, God's angel appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Up, take the child and his mother and return to Israel. All those out to murder the child are dead. And Joseph obeyed. He got up, took the child and his mother, and re-entered Israel. When he heard, though, that Archelaus had succeeded his father, Herod, as king in Judea, he was afraid to go there. But then Joseph was directed in a dream once again to go to the hills of Galilee. On arrival, he settled in the village of Nazareth. This move was a fulfillment of the prophetic words, He shall be called a Nazarene. Let us pray. Almighty God, we ask that on this day, as we gather together with our hearts that are full of many things, we ask that your spirit may come and dwell among us, that it may enter and bring peace, that it bring clarity, that it offer us eyes to see the new way forward that you have given us, a way that has been paved by love, compassion, mercy, and justice that go beyond all human understanding. And we ask that as we meditate upon your holy word, that that spirit may illumine a new way for us. We ask this in your most precious name. Amen. A child has been born, a hope for all the nations, for all people, and God made flesh has come in the form of a helpless infant. But only a few days after celebrating the Christ child's birth, we find that things aren't as peaceful as we would have thought. 
After the Magi or the scholars left, King Herod was thrown into a fit of rage. He couldn't imagine losing his power and his authority, so he called for his generals and ordered the unthinkable. Yet an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and told him to take Mary and the Christ child to the land of Egypt so that the prophecy of Hosea might be fulfilled. How is it that we move so quickly from the birth of Christ to a picture of a family on a run, on the run, and flees to a far-off country in search of refuge? Perhaps there's a couple things I'd like us to focus on this morning. Number one thing being, what's Herod's deal? And the second point is, what happened to Mary and Joseph and Jesus while they were in Egypt? But let's start first with King Herod, because what drives such a man like Herod to commit acts of murder, acts of bloodshed against his own people? Because Herod must have been afraid of something. And that is where I imagine Herod began to lose sight of what was really important. Because Herod wasn't concerned with whether or not he was on the right path, the path that God had laid out. Herod had become so preoccupied with making sure that his own power, that his own authority was secure. And when a king, when a monarch, when any other kind of ruler feels like their authority is being threatened, well, history has proven that then they show them their true selves. Something still isn't right, though. Because Herod is supposed to be a king who has a deep relationship with God. Yet it seems like even though Herod was surrounded by a religious people, a religion, rabbis, and teachings about who God really was, it didn't seem like anything really sunk in. And this is where my allusion to the movie The Godfather comes into play. It's not the classic scene about, uh, you know, taking the cannoli. But there is a very powerful scene in part three of The Godfather where Michael Corleone meets with Cardinal Lamberto. The two of them walk by some stone pillars where Michael explains an impending scandal that is about to take place at the Vatican. Of course, Cardinal Lamberto in the movie then becomes Pope John Paul I laments over what has happened, and then reaches for a stone. He tells Michael, look at this stone. It's been here for a very long time, but the water has not penetrated it. Cardinal Lamberto then whacks the stone on the side of of the fountain, breaking it open and saying, look, perfectly dry. The cardinal then tells Michael that the same is true about God. That God has surrounded people with a message of love, a message that has so many meanings, but the message has not seeped in. God doesn't live within them. Of course, Cardinal Lamberto isn't giving Michael Corleone a lesson about theology and history, because in truth, the Cardinal's been talking about Michael this whole time. And this is where the movie The Godfather intersects with our reading for this morning. 
because the evocative image of a dry stone that has been submerged in water for many years is what we find this morning when we talk about King Herod and when we look at a family that has been on the run. It speaks to us and asks the question, how can a stone that has been submerged for so many years still be dry on the inside? The truth of the matter is that if God's love surrounds us, if God's love truly surrounds us and that message about peace, reconciliation, and justice surrounds us, but it hasn't changed how we live our lives, then something's wrong. Then something in our lives then has to change. It's a moment of revelation when Cardinal Lamberto cracks the rock to reveal that it's dry on the inside. It's a shocking revelation because that means we can be surrounded by God's teaching of love, hope, peace, and joy that we celebrated this past Advent, and we can bathe ourselves in making us feel good about that, but that doesn't mean any of those things have made their way into the core of our very being. Because if we do things out of blind loyalty, if we do things out of fear, if we do things out of anger, then we've just been living lives that have been coded in those things. We haven't then lived lives that have allowed them to seep in and change us. And this is what Herod, what we ourselves wrestle with when things don't go our way, when we are confronted with fears. Perhaps it's all the more important then for people like ourselves to speak out kindly, to offer a kind word, a reminder of what really matters when we see such acts of unbridled rage, unbridled power, hatred, go awry. Because the consequence of that kind of misbehavior leaves scars. It leaves scars that reverberate throughout space and time. And with that, I think it's now important to talk about Mary and Joseph and Jesus as they fled to Egypt. Oh, Mary. Mary must have been so strong to make another journey having after just struggled to find a place to give birth. And Joseph, too, must have questioned. Joseph must have said to himself, what have I gotten myself into? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he questioned himself when the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream once again. Dream after dream. Mary and Joseph and Jesus would have looked like any other modern-day family we see today, fleeing an oppressive regime or war zone. When the angel appeared to them, they must have grabbed everything they had that they could get their hands on and fled in the night to the Egyptian border, not knowing what was going to happen next. While, of course, travel back then is not like it was today, there still must have been a considerable amount of uncertainty. And there is much to this story that we're never told. Were there soldiers in Egypt who questioned why they had come? Who knew? Because Mary and Joseph might have been spies. I wonder if people thought that more riffraff had come to town. 
I mean, those people from the north have a reputation of causing trouble and being up to no good. Who knows what went through the minds of people as Mary and Joseph came across into a foreign land. Perhaps people's hearts were filled with compassion. I like to think so. That they were filled with compassion as they saw a young mother and the father fleeing for their lives with a child in their arms. But I guess it's us, up to us to fill in the blanks of what happened during their time in Egypt. And it allows us to play out what kind of moral choice we would make if we were in the Egyptians' shoes. The decision of whether or not we help those people who are fleeing from danger or do we let them sleep in the streets or in the shadowy parts of town because we can't be bothered to help people who are not our own. Going back to the illustration from The Godfather, like I said before, there are portions of both Herod's story and Mary and Joseph and Jesus' story that come together. Because if we were to crack open the stone of Herod, what would we find? We would probably find a stone that's dry. If we were to crack open the stone of the Egyptians as they saw Mary and Joseph, what would we find on the inside there? Would we find stones that have been dry or stones that have soaked up all the water? It's something to think about as we come close to the end of another year. A year that has been filled with both highs and lows and everything in between. What would we find, though, if we were to crack open the stones that represent our own hearts and souls, though? Because that, that is the more important question. Would we find that the life-giving essence of God has filled them. And you know what kind of life-giving essence I'm talking about. It's not just the love, hope, peace, and joy that we celebrated this Advent, but it is lifting up the poor. It's the parts in Scripture in the Old Testament when the prophets talk about welcoming the stranger. It's the part of all of Jesus' teaching where it tells us to love our neighbor as ourselves. If we crack open the stones that represent our hearts and our souls, what would we find? Would we find that God, would we find that they have been truly filled with that life-giving essence? Or perhaps even the harder part of that question is would we discover that there's only been an outer coating that hasn't made its way deep into the makeup of who we are? These are questions that we cannot solve on one Sunday morning. But they are questions we should strive to answer on a daily basis. The King Herods of the world will surely come to pass. They'll die, they'll fade away. But who knows, one might come back. So that doesn't mean we stop in our pursuit of living lives that would risk to protect something, something or some people who are like Mary and Joseph who find themselves as refugees in a foreign and unfamiliar land. Because in showing our ability to be more Christ-like, more God-like, we may find that our dry stones are filled with life-giving water. 
And we may then, too, also, we might be reminded that God, who was made flesh, is still with us. That God, who was made flesh, is still walking beside us as we make our way through the world, rubbing, pushing, fighting against our own Herods and our own Pontius Pilots. And as we do that good and faithful work, as we do the hard work of searching, searching and longing for what it means to be filled with the life-giving essence of God, may our souls find time to be renewed. May our souls be filled with a refreshing newness of life that comes from God so that our stones may be filled and so that our stones may not be dry. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we will hold you in prayer as we head into a new week. If you'd like to learn more about our church and ministry, or if you'd like to learn how you can support us, you can visit our website at mayopacchurch.org. Until next week, God bless.